Laurie Cardoza-Moore, and this is Focus on Israel. In 329 AD, Roman Emperor Constantine declared a formal split between Christians and Jews, stating that, the Jews' hands having been stained with crime, the minds of these wretched men are necessarily blinded. Let us then have nothing in common with the Jews, who are our adversaries. Thus his sword of words and actions made a split that has inflamed Christian anti-Semitism for centuries. Hello, and thank you for joining me today on Focus on Israel. Like most Americans, I began to ask a lot of questions about what happened to our country following 9-11. As I read and talked to experts, the issues of radical Islam and the attacks on America and Israel became extremely personal to me. I realized that Israel is facing threats from nearly every corner, from Iran's nuclear weapons program, from terrorist groups such as Hamas, Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS. I also saw how much of the world comes against the Jewish state. The UN and the world continue to demand the creation of a Palestinian state, a terrorist state on Israel's doorstep. Now we see a rise of global anti-Semitism with threats from every corner, as it seems we're heading closer to the biblical prophecy of Armageddon in the Middle East. So if you're a Christian, why should you care? Many Christians believe that as the Jews rejected Jesus, then God has rejected them. This replacement theology is growing as many Christians believe they have replaced the Jews in God's prophetic plan. If you truly believe the Bible is the word of God, then you know that when he speaks of Israel, He is speaking about the land of Israel and the Jewish people, not the church. The mission of this series and PJTN is to educate and equip you so that you can share this truth with your family and friends. On our show today, you'll first meet Reverend Sam Clark, an ordained Anglican minister. Since his ordination in 1997, he has served two congregations— His primary gifting is teaching the Word of God with particular emphasis on the Hebrew roots of Christianity. In 2001, the United States branch of the International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem contacted Sam about participating in a special service of reconciliation and repentance at the Washington Synagogue in Washington, D.C. In 2007, Sam was invited to serve as the first executive director of Christian Friends of Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum and Memorial in Jerusalem. In 2010, I invited Father Sam Clark to serve in the capacity as PJTN's Director of Programs and Development and Chaplain. He has developed a teaching entitled The Church, the Jews, and the Shoah, Understanding and Overcoming the Roots of Church Antisemitism, along with other teachings focusing on the Hebrew roots of Christianity. He gave some great insight into the grave split between Jews and Christians 
made by Emperor Constantine 329 years after the death of Yeshua. The formalization of Christianity and the marriage between Christianity and, and the political system is uh, created a, a new form of faith that was not represented in the early uh, church or the early community of faith. What developed from Constantine and post-Constantine represents a formalized religious system, which was a marriage between the political system uh, in that day and this new faith that Constantine had probably somewhat of a pseudo-conversion and used it uh, to, to, to create the state uh, for his own political benefit and uh, to, to develop a church that, that would be underneath the control of the state. Now, when you go back to the to the the birth of the the messianic community, the believers in Jesus, you have to start with what happened, both in terms of before Jesus' birth and after his birth. Before his birth, you had a, a, a Jewish people living in Israel, and you had Jewish people in the diaspora, living in places like modern-day Turkey and Greece and Rome. So we had this community of of Jewish people out there in the world, but you also had a group of people called God-fearers. These were Gentiles who rejected the paganistic gods of the Roman Empire and affiliated themselves and often supported, financially supported, the synagogues. They didn't convert. They didn't become Jews, but they loved the Jewish people. They loved the God of Israel, and they supported that. Well, when Jesus came, this whole network of synagogues that around the empire already existed. So when he came and he died and, and post his resurrection, the first believing community were all Jewish. You were either a Jew by birth or you were a Jew by convert. As we know, when, when Jesus came, he came primarily to reach the Jewish people with the, with the gospel. And then after Jesus' birth, death, burial, and resurrection, uh, the call was expanded to include Gentiles. Jesus, when he came, was a practicing Jew. All the apostles, including Paul, were practicing Jews. They never rejected their Judaism. Over time, as the, the Gentile church grew and the, 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 the Messianic movement didn't grow at the same pace, Eventually, Gentiles began to, to, to have their own leaders. They didn't look to Jerusalem. They didn't look to their Jewish brothers and sisters. And as they did, they began to develop a sense that they wanted to distance themselves from anything Jewish, possibly because of the conflicts that they saw. But this is kind of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Bath Bishops in the early Gentile bishops decided, well, you know, Jesus was raised on the day of the sun, on Sunday, the first day of the week. And, and most at that time were still, over the first couple of centuries, were still practicing their faith on Shabbat, on the Sabbath. But some began to think, well, we need to distance ourselves from our Jewish heritage because we don't see ourselves so much as Jews. We now come from a Gentile heritage. We heard the gospel from Gentiles. And, and over time, they started doing things like changing from Saturday to Sunday. 
uh, from uh, you know, not doing circumcision. They weren't doing that anyway. Uh, and, and rejecting their heritage and embracing that, what they, their own traditions, they began to walk away from things like Passover and the Shavuot became Pentecost, uh, which is just a, one's a Greek word and the other one's a, a Hebrew word. Uh, but they began to redefine all that and uh, create a, a faith that that's, doesn't look Jewish. The faith that Jesus practices uh, practiced in his day and the apostles became foreign to the way they were practicing their faith. These shifts all over time created a big gap between Jews and Gentiles. This also created a, a, a tension between Jews and Gentiles and led to, to uh, uh, anti-Semitism, the early anti-Semitism and the anti-Semitism that is, has stayed with us all these centuries and remains with us today. And this gap manifested itself in some horrific events. Of course, the, the primary, the, the preeminent one being the Holocaust. And, and we're six million Jews lost their lives simply because they were Jews. The roots of all that led up to Constantine, when Constantine decided he had to call a council together and they dealt, the primary issue they dealt with was an issue of heresy. So he decided he's gonna bring all these church leaders, these Gentile leaders, and as I said, not a single one was Jewish. And the things that had, be, had been practiced sporadically up to the time of the, the Council of Nicaea, were formalized. For instance, the shift from Saturday to Sunday. It was now official. And it made sense, especially to a pagan culture that worshiped the sun. So making that shift was easy. It was kind of the holiday anyway for, for the, in the Roman Empire. Constantine was the linchpin between developing anti-Judaism, anti-Semitism that had gone on for those first 300 years and formalized it and then married this, this, the, the greatest political power in the world with this new expression of what was now called Christianity that married the two, now had a political religious power system for his empire that would be very, very effective in, in controlling people. It's hard to conceive of, of Constantine being a saint. There's not much question about his motives. Uh, he had this vision of a, a cross in the sky, and, and, and I think he had also a vision of his, because he was in conflict to, to get the empire under himself. So he, he's in the middle of a war, and he said, what can I do to unite, to, to bring this all, the political and some kind of religious system together? And he saw this as an opportune, opportunity. He was an opportunist and is largely responsible for the, the institutional church that's out there that exists today. You know, they want to call him a saint. I, I really don't know why, on what basis you call somebody a saint. I, in most of those, uh, when, when you declare, especially in Roman Catholicism, if you declare somebody a saint, there has to be certain evidence to that. I'd like to see the evidence because I don't really see that. Now, I could see him saying, well, this guy, you know, Roman Catholicism, was birthed out of all of this. So, you know, he, I could see how they would say, well, this guy's responsible for the birth of the Roman Catholic Church and uh, 
but not a saint. I'm sorry, I can't go there. Of all Rome's emperors, his legacy is the most far-reaching and long-lasting. It's because of him that Christianity is the dominant religion of the Western world today. I want to take you to Israel in pictures and film. I want you to see how God's sovereign hand can be seen before our eyes right here in this land. That's why PJTN is offering a special anniversary package that includes a captivating new book and award-winning DVD. Israel Rising is a unique visual story of Israel's miraculous journey from unforgiving desert to thriving nation. Thousands of years ago, the prophet Ezekiel foretold a future time in which the arid land of Israel would come alive for its people. Now this breathtaking book documents the fulfillment of this vision as rarely seen photographs from the 1880s to the 1940s are juxtaposed with recent photos of the same locations. This book will inspire and captivate you as it illuminates Israel's foretold awakening in a new and unforgettable way. In addition, you'll receive the award-winning documentary, Israel Indivisible, The Case for the Ancient Homeland. This inspiring film examines the many political twists and turns that make Israel the world's most controversial nation. From Abraham and the promise to the issues facing the Jewish state today, the film examines the historical, archeological, legal, and biblical foundations for the modern state of Israel. This is a limited time offer for these two remarkable resources for just a one-time gift of $70 today. Your generous donation will help ensure that PJTN stays on the front lines and in the headlines of all the important issues facing Israel and our Jewish brethren. So please go to PJTN.org today. From studying history, it's very clear that what starts with the Jews never ends only with the Jews we must strongly stand against any anti-Semitic trends. For if not stopped, they'll cause harm to all of us, and we'll witness the downfall of our Judeo-Christian Western culture. Today, many people say there's no longer a need for a Jewish state, that Jews around the world no longer need a place of refuge. But anyone who has heard recent statistics about the worldwide rise in anti-Semitism would never make such a claim. The reality is that neo-Nazi groups and Nazi sympathizers are increasing around the world. Surveys show that over one billion people in the world harbor anti-Semitic attitudes. Close to 50% believe that Jews have too much power in the business world, and two-thirds of the world's population has never heard of the Holocaust, or believe the historic accounts of it are inaccurate. Don't let yourself be manipulated by evil people with a wicked agenda. When the self-serving villains are in control, good people from all religions suffer. Muslims, Christians, and all people of conscience should stand proudly and show respect for a country that gives so much to the world in so many ways. Do your part, do your research, and do what you can to make a difference because what happens in Israel does affect us all. This is not just a Jewish or just an Israeli problem. This is a problem for all humanity, for each and every one of us who believe in freedom and human rights. Learn more about what you can do at pjtn.org. Constantine's Sword, The Church and the Jews, A History. 
is a book and documentary by James Carroll, a former priest, which documents the role of the Roman Catholic Church in the long history of anti-Semitism. It details that the primary source of anti-Jewish violence in Europe was the perennial obsession with converting the Jews to Christianity. Carroll also argues that the church's long history of Jew hatred laid the foundation for Hitler's crimes. The title, Constantine's Sword, refers to Constantine's transformation of the cross into a symbolic sword infusing a spirit of violent intolerance into the development of Christianity. A spirit of intolerance that struck hard at Jewish communities all across the European continent. I'd like to show you a small part of this very powerful documentary. When I was a kid, one of my favorite stories was about a hero who'd been addressed by God. My dad told me the story about a miracle that happened to the Roman general Constantine, right on this bridge in Rome. I'm a little kid in St. Mary's Church in Alexandria. Over the altar, the letters IHS. I say to my dad, what's that? He says, in hoc signo vinces, Jimmy. In this sign you will conquer. And then he tells me this story. Constantine, a field right over here, has a vision in the sky. I guess that sky we're supposed to believe. At a time when the Roman Empire was still pagan, Constantine was the general in charge of the Northern Legions based in Germany. In the year 310, he set out with thousands of men to beat his rivals for control of the empire. Now Rome itself was in his grasp, right across this river. I saw with my own eyes the cross of light in the heavens. It bore the inscription, by this sign, you will conquer. I described the marvel and its meaning to my men. I told them to reproduce it. A long spear crossed by a transverse bar forming the figure of a cross to be carried at the head of all my armies. They're carrying their spears and the sign of a cross and he comes onto this bridge, meets the enemy, and against all the odds, wins. Constantine goes into Rome, declares himself emperor, and on the strength of that vision, he becomes a Christian. In the midst of the imperial city, as a trophy of victory and a safeguard of the Roman Empire, I ordered a statue of myself with a lofty spear in the figure of a cross to be placed by my hand with this inscription. By this sign, I have conquered and liberated your city from the yoke of tyranny. After Constantine, it uh, was not possible uh, to go back in uh, pagan uh, life. These frescoes in an old Roman convent tell the story. The great emperor falls to his knees as he shares his crown with the pope. This is the moment when the cross and the sword become one. Christianity turns violent. the things people do in the name of God. When Constantine converted, there were almost the same number of Christians and Jews. Today, there are around two billion Christians. 
and only 15 million Jews. In the Roman baths that Constantine built in Trier, I met his biographer, Jan Drivers. He ordered his eldest son, Crispus, to be killed. Why? One of the reasons may have been a relationship between Crispus and Constantine's wife, Fausta. So what happened to Fausta? She was killed also in an overheated bathroom on the order of Constantine. So in this one year, he orders the execution both of his son and, and of his, his wife. wife. Yes. It makes you actually wonder what kind of person Constantine was. A ruthless and perhaps violent person. Quite another person from the saint Constantine, the image a lot of people have. There's even a source which says that Constantine had committed so many sins that there was no religion that could forgive his sins, only Christianity. And then he told me the most surprising thing, that the cross had never been an important Christian symbol until Constantine in the year 326. For two and a half centuries, Christians had used symbols of life, the fish, the lamb, the shepherd, now this image of execution is brought in to unify the empire under a single orthodox doctrine. And why wouldn't Constantine, a man who had murdered a son, be drawn to a god who required the death on the cross of his son? The finding of the cross at Golgotha proved, of course, that the Jews actually had killed Christ. It was used in that way. You could see, uh, it was, uh, the Christians could now say, here is the cross, here is the cross. The Roman emperors become influenced by that. And you see that gradually, the Jews become a marginal group in the Roman empire. The church fathers against Jews and Judaism. In an empire united under the cross, Jews were now in danger. They might well have been wiped out right then, but church fathers decided the Jews should wander in misery forever without a home. The Roman Empire fell despite its embrace of Christianity. The Western world descended into chaos that lasted for six centuries. Then, the Pope cried, God wills it, calling for a crusade, a war of the cross against Islam. Europe's princes and their armies stopped fighting each other. They set out to fight Muslims in the Holy Land, but turned first on the infidels they knew along the Rhine. These communities up and down the Rhine here all date back to the 11th century. These towns included some of the most thriving Jewish centers in the world. And in the spring of 1096, in a short six-week period, beginning in Cologne, upriver, and going all the way down to Mainz, downriver, those Jewish communities were wiped out by crusader mobs, people wearing the sign of the cross on their shields and on their breasts. The same scene that took place in each of the towns along the Rhine was played out long ago here in the courtyard of his cathedral. 
Jews had begged the bishop to protect them from the crusader mobs. Layman's medieval predecessor told them, only the converted can be saved. The rest would have to die. This mob of people feels that here was an opportunity to avenge the crucifixion right here because the Jews had been considered Christ killers from the start of Christianity as a state religion. Pope Benedict here in Cologne reminded people of the Third Reich and quite properly in speaking to a Jewish group he begins by acknowledging the tragedy of the Shoah, the Holocaust. There's a way in which his acknowledgement of the Shoah was incomplete. He said Nazi hatred of Jews was, quote, born of neo-paganism, unquote, as if that's the only source of it. Well, it was born of Nazi neo-paganism, but that hatred had two parents, and the other one, the long tradition of Christian anti-Judaism, he didn't mention. The story which most shockingly reveals the church's involvement took place right here in the Rhineland. In July, they signed the so-called Reichskonkordat, and the Vatican became the first foreign power to enter into a bilateral treaty with Hitler. It included a secret provision in which the church defended Jews who had converted to Catholicism, but indicated it would have nothing to say about Nazi assaults against other Jews. Well, that's our program for today. And I want you to know we appreciate your support. The time to take a stand is now. Be a leader in your community and in your church. One person can make a difference. Get involved with and support pro-Israel organizations such as PJTN. Call your senators, congressmen. Let your elected leaders hear from you. Visit our website to learn more. Sign up to receive free action alerts and order our films to share with family and friends. Please encourage everyone you know to tune in and become informed. God bless you. And thank you for all you do on behalf of our Jewish brethren and all Israel. We'll see you next time on Focus on Israel. To support this program, send your tax-deductible gift to Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, P.O. Box 682711, Franklin, Tennessee, 37068. You can also support PJTN online. Visit PJTN.org or call 1-877-873-9020. Anti-Semitism has reached epic proportions and Israel is now surrounded by nations who seek its destruction. For Israel to lose just one battle would mean losing everything. As Christians, it is our biblical responsibility to stand with our Jewish brethren and Israel. PJTN needs your help to reach more Christians with this urgent message. Please visit our website to become a member today and order our award-winning documentaries. You must decide that you won't be silent. Sign up now at pjtn.org. God bless you and thank you for your support and prayers.